This week's guest is Sophie Thompson, co-founder and CEO of virtualspeech.com. Virtual Speech is a company that produces virtual reality courses in areas such as leadership, sales, job interview preparation, giving feedback, presentation skills. And as you're listening to that list, you're probably thinking, aren't those the kinds of trainings that require lots of practice? Well, that's exactly the point. Very often, these programs aren't successful because people come away without the chance to practice these in a safe space. What Sophie's technology does is it helps people to practice those skills and do so in a 3D environment. So, for example, I could pop on the headset, connect with Sophie's virtual speech app, and I could then practice giving a talk to a room full of maybe 10 people, and then I could change that to 20 people, and so on and so on. And this is what people love. It transpires. There is a massive market for this. Sophie works with companies like Pfizer, BBC, VMware, Vodafone, Accenture, and so on. And she now has over 100,000 downloads of her app, over 30 courses developed online at virtualspeech.com, and has recently signed up her 43rd university. And this is fascinating because if you look at the press right now, companies like Accenture have really invested in virtual reality training. So Accenture, for example, has ordered 60,000 headsets, VR headsets. Um, Bank of America, 10,000 headsets, VR headsets. And Walmart, one of the largest employers in the world, has 1.4 million people. They will be going through customer service training using VR. So what does this mean for you? Well, there's massive potential out there. As Sophie says today, why practice in 2D when we live in 3D. So I'd like you to think about the importance for your business in terms of how you could tap into this market, how you could add virtual reality as an offering to your customers. And Sophie's company works with training providers to customize their courses and to white label them. And this is some of the stuff that we'll cover in this week's episode. This is the Training Business Podcast. And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark. Every single week, we have an episode where it's just you and I, where I talk about something. I talked last week about the, the, um, the benefit of just having written a book. And now that's helping my training coaching brand. And this week, we're going back to a guest episode. Today's guest, as I said before the music, is Sophie Thompson, co-founder and CEO of virtualspeech.com, which produces virtual reality courses. Now, I own an Oculus Quest, and I am used to doing things in a 3D way, but I haven't yet tapped into the idea or the business potential of 3D training. And I can see massive potential for my brand, and I'm really keen to share this with you. And that's why I've got Sophie Thompson from virtualspeech.com as a guest today. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Sophie, hi, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me on. So you're from a company called Virtual Speech. Uh, This is your business. And um, let's begin with the story of Virtual Speech. Um, What is Virtual Speech, first of all? Virtualspeech.com. 
Yeah. So virtual speech helps people improve their business skills and confidence. And we do this by blending online courses with practice exercises, which can be done online or in virtual reality. So in that way, people can learn through experience on demand directly at the point of need. Okay. And what's interesting is your story, your backstory. Um, I think this would be great uh, context because from the sound of things, it addressed a specific need that you had personally. You began at university. When we first spoke, you, you, felt, you said you felt anxiety about speaking in public, even something like ordering food. Um, you found stressful. So tell me more about that and, and what was that like to have that um, anxiety about speaking in public and speaking to people? Yes. Yeah, so um, virtual speech was started um, originally as the first VR app to overcome the fear of public speaking. And as you mentioned, this was very much uh, problem led from a problem that, that I had. And I now I think we would say that I had social anxiety. Um, it's very, I was very much unaware of that term back then, um, six years ago. And so for me, part of that was manifesting in terms of not being able to, to speak in public. And when I say public, I don't just mean speaking at a conference or speaking to a, a class of 30 people. I mean, ordering my own food in a restaurant. I would ask my friends or family to do that for me, even at school when I was seeing the same, the same people every day to order from the school canteen, um, I would still ask my friends to do it. And I was at university and I had a presentation coming up in three months. And up until that point, I'd avoided public speaking at all costs, but this one was assessed and there was no getting out of it. Um, and I was already waking up feeling nervous about something that was three months away. And one of my friends, um, Dom, was working in the virtual reality department at Jaguar Land Rover, the car company. And this is when we came up with this idea that virtual reality could provide a psychologically safe place to, to practice something like public speaking. And one of the great things about VR is the ability to evoke a similar emotional response as if that activity was being carried out in real life. Um, so for me, I, I use it as what now people call virtual reality exposure therapy, which is basically a form of um, cognitive behavioral therapy where I would use virtual reality and an audience size of, say, five people to start with, build up my confidence in front of five people, and then go up to 30, 50, 200 people and build up my confidence in VR to then bridge that gap into the real world. Right. So literally you have built an app which allows people to um, go through an experience similar, not identical to, but very similar to a real situation. And a classic example of that is overcoming nerves when you have to prepare for a presentation. So I can train someone how to present, but it's no real replacement for standing up and doing it. Whereas with virtual reality, we create what a, a recent guest, Carl Kopp, called an immersive experience. And through virtual reality exposure therapy, people actually have control over that practice environment. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's also key is that the 
the practice is in a controlled environment and is in one that um, the learner is free to make mistakes and learn from them and then repeat the exercise. So there's no consequences for any mistakes they might make. So they don't have to wait for a big sales pitch in real life to come up and then to, to practice new techniques, then they can practice that in virtual reality first and um, learn from their mistakes, repeat the exercise and, and build their skills and their confidence. Right. So you, you, you made an app. That's the first thing to think of. Um, you had this idea. You created an app. Uh, that app had 100,000 downloads. In what time frame had you 100,000 downloads? That was in the first six months. And I mean, if we think of where virtual reality is now, six years ago, 100,000 downloads in six months was basically everybody who had a virtual reality headset at the time. <laughs> and then five years later now, you've got courses, uh, e-learning courses. Is, is it roughly 30 courses? Yeah. So there's about 30 courses that are all focused on on so-called soft skills, the power skills, as they're having a bit of a rebrand at the moment. Um, so that's skills like public speaking, um, leadership communication, giving constructive feedback, having difficult conversations, sales, job interviews, and so on. Right. These are, I guess, what um, Amy Cuddy, who, who wrote that book, Presence, might call evaluative situations where we feel like we're being judged by our ability to do something. So we have to run a difficult conversation as a manager. We have to give feedback to someone as some kind of leader. Um, we have to present to an audience in, in a sales capacity. So it sounds like the courses that you've created are those that would give people a really helpful uh, scenario in which to practice as near as possible the real thing, which many of us are actually terrified of, right? I mean, for many people, public speaking is is, near, is like a near-death experience. It's so so terrifying. And, and you had social anxiety or special anxiety in, in terms of speaking. And I think that's something that many people, if you ask them, they might just admit to. More people have this fear of public speaking or evaluative situations than we may realize. So let's talk about the, the market potential for this. In terms of what you've seen interest from universities. You've signed up your 43rd university. Um, you're obviously being approached by media. You've been on BBC News. What do you think is the market telling you about the need for this kind of, of training environment where people, learners have control and we're giving them products and services, we're selling them products and services, which allow them to practice uh, their, these, their preparation for these evaluative situations? I mean, the market is is huge. I think e-learning and well, training in general is going through its kind of next revolution, really. And we're taking the the learning tools from being two D and people being more of a passive of observer to learning to being an active participant in that learning. And I mean, if you think that we we live in 3D, we think in 3D, so, so why would we practice in 2D? And immersive environments give you that, that immersive 3D practice. And even in terms of people's um, engagement with learning, focus in learning, PwC did a study in 2020 that showed that VR learners are four times more focused than learners in more traditional uh, settings. And part of that is 
the immersion. And another part of that is simply logistically. If you've got a headset on your face, you're not scrolling through your emails, you're not checking your WhatsApp messages, you are in that experience as if it's actually happening to you. And in terms of the number of people that that can help and the range of skills, it's just, it's not quite endless, obviously, but there's a huge range of skills that that can help with and people at, at all levels in their career as well. So, I mean, we've, we worked with high schools, for example, right up to, to people who are, I think 65 is the, the most senior person that I know who's used virtual speech. So it's really across the board. So you're, app is on the app store um some of your clients if if i'm okay to mention them include vmware pfizer vodafone and some people might say well isn't this still a bit out there isn't this somehow something that's coming down the line but there's no real market need yet um and you shared with me the fact that bank of america have ordered 10,000 vr headsets accenture's 60,000 headsets and uh You'd some interesting number for Walmart. Yes, so um, Walmart um, was the most well-known pilot at scale in 2017, and that was training their their employees on customer service training for Black Friday, and um, that went so so well that they have now rolled out their customer service training to 1.4 million employees across North America. So that's VR training to 1.4 million employees, which is... So 1.4 million, uh, if you will, sessions or training sessions uh, to the customer service team of Walmart, and one of the biggest employers in the world. Yeah. And one of their results was that they took their customer service training from eight hours to just 15 minutes in VR. Yeah. So that's not to say that VR will replace other forms of learning. I I think that's definitely a message I want to get across that VR is just another tool in the toolbox. It's not a replacement to other forms of training. Um, So with that Walmart example, that eight hours could have been lots of role plays, feedback and so on. Whereas in VR, that can, that can be done in a 15 minute exercise, which obviously people can repeat based on their feedback as well. So could be longer than 15 minutes. Um, but yeah, the, the reduction in time to train was massively reduced. That's huge. I like what you said about uh, the fact that we live in 3D, so why are we practicing in 2D? So a lot of the, the programs that you have on, and by the way, you've also got learning paths, right? You've got um, recommended paths where people can follow a series of courses. Um, how do you sell those? Let's just say someone's listening to this and thinking, okay, I, I like the idea of producing um, a program or cooperating with you, virtual speech, and developing a program, um, how do you sell that to, to a company, a corporate client? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, so people tend to come to us if they are looking for an innovative, engaging way for people to learn. And I would say that even since the pandemic, we have had an increased interest and even during the pandemic i had conversations with people where they'd be saying oh this would have been really good if we had this already um so with the pandemic people even have less opportunities to practice sorry they have had less opportunities to practice so there's some people who may have uh, been proficient and 
um, highly skilled at some some of these more interpersonal skills. But with remote working for a year, year and a half, depending on where people live, they their skills have adjusted and adapted to a remote working world. And now they're going back into the office. I'm finding that even people in terms of presentations aren't used to standing up in giving presentations anymore. And the vulnerability that that comes with standing up in, in a meeting room as well. Um, and and one of the biggest things that that people like about um VR learning or would approach virtual speech about is that unique data capture you can get from VR learning as well. So um, the feedback that people can get and it helps to quantifiably measure the effectiveness of soft skills training, which is traditionally quite difficult to measure. So the feedback comes perhaps by human, but also from the AI, the artificial intelligence, which in the case of your app on people helping people with with presentation skills or public speaking it's giving feedback on on eye contact pace tone etc um and then people can record that and send that to their boss for feedback is, is that about right yeah so the, they can get feedback on their performance so if if it's more of a branch learning scenario they'll they'll get the feedback based on their performance if it's more about the the, the delivery of what they're saying if that's in sales or leadership or presentations that's right they get feedback on their use of hesitation words how many ums and ahs they're saying pace volume tone eye contact listenability and uh, they can also do keyword analysis and they get that feedback instantly from virtual speech but they can also send the recording and ai feedback to a, a trainer or coach for that personal feedback as well um, so they get that really thorough feedback loop. And, and that's what I mean about adding VR as an additional tool to complement other methods. So it may not be a standalone, well, it is a standalone solution to some degree, but it's best when it complements um, a blended learning approach. It's part of myriad interventions. It could be face-to-face, it could be online, it could be uh, 2D or 3D. Yeah, so, I mean, it's my personal opinion that VR shouldn't be used just for the sake of using VR. So it shouldn't be used just because it's a novelty because we actually need to focus on the learning impact. So when it comes to more theoretical things, there's no need to put them in VR, in my opinion. VR thrives in the setting of practice or a realistic role play exercises or evoking an emotional response like fear or empathy and so that's why we couple the VR with online learning so that people can learn key theory and techniques online they don't have to read heavy text or anything in inside virtual reality and then they practice in VR but we also work with training companies who who use it in their face-to-face sessions as well. Right. So that's good news. So for example, a training company listening to this could say, I like the sound of virtual speech. I haven't a clue how VR would work, but I could work. Could I work with you to develop a course that suits my customers, my market? Yeah, definitely. So you could take um, any of the VR content from our off-the-shelf training. So we have about between five to eight VR modules per course that you could just take them and slot that into your existing training. Like or a white could, label. 
yeah, almost like white labeling it. Um, or we could do a customized approach, which is probably more suitable for something like sales, um, where we can customize the, the VR environments to have the kind of sales conversations that that specific client would be having. Right. So it could be, let's say, a pharmaceuticals company could work with you to develop something which suits their customer base or the context in which their people might find themselves. Whereas if it's something to do with, let's say, sales, specifically, let's say, um, automotive selling or some other kind of selling, then you could develop a program which focuses on the the sales conversation for a company. Okay. Um this is huge. And, and I, I think many people sometimes think that VR is like a game. Um, it's something not quite real. But from the sound of things, companies like Bank of America, Accenture, Walmart, to name just three, the BBC, VMware, Pfizer, these are big companies. They are looking at VR as not just um, a solution, but almost a direction, right? It's, it's the way things are going. Do you see any numbers which make you feel feel that... There's a huge market potential which people aren't tapping into. Um, I think one of the the biggest things with looking into the future of VR is to look at Meta. So it used to be called Facebook. And if if people have heard of VR, they've probably heard of the Oculus Quest headset. And Oculus is owned by Meta. And the other leading headset that we're seeing is called a, a Pico Neo 3 is the name of the headset. And Pico are owned by ByteDance, who also own TikTok. So you've got the two biggest social media giants pumping billions of dollars every year into virtual reality or the metaverse, as people seem to get the, the two use the two interchangeably these days. But you've got both of them putting in billions of dollars every year. Meta have put in 10,000, no, sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. Well, thinking of, of the market, that the, so companies like Meta and is it Pico behind TikTok, um, what what they're doing to invest in, in the future of VR? Yeah, so Meta employ 10,000 people to work on VR and AR, and they spend $10 billion annually on VR. In fact, they actually make a loss on VR at the moment because Mark Zuckerberg himself has said that their investment into VR, AR and the metaverse is a decade away. Like it's a long-term play that they're not expecting to see returns right now, but in 10 years time, they will be the market leader. So I think if you just look at two of the most influential companies in the world right now are heavily investing in this technology and whether that's some of that will be for gaming, but there's there's tens of industri- other industries who use VR as well. So obviously you have gaming, but also you have um, real estate, um, airlines are using it, sports are using it. So VR fitness has become a big thing in the last couple of years too. So I think over the next, well, every year going forward, we're just going to see an increased use of VR, but also you using VR at its best. So using VR for education, um, it can help to democratize education. So Stanford Graduate School of Business, for example, 
um, hold some of their seminars in virtual reality. Now in the future, could it be that any of us can attend those seminars at Stanford by using our VR headsets? So does that open up a world of accessibility? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and when I went back to college to do a master's a number of years ago, uh, the professor of marketing I had back then said, um, in within 20 years, uh, not in his lifetime, within 20 years, universities as we know them as bricks and mortar won't exist, um, will not be constrained any longer by uh, physical location as opposed to um, device location. If we've got a device, and this is the VR, the next step of this journey is that we'll be able to eventually, not quite like Star Trek, like the holodeck, but not far off that maybe, we'll have a, an environment that is so immersive, so realistic that we can almost substitute physical presence for uh, presences in the meta universe or whatever that's called. It, it's going to be an amazing way to bring training products and services to people. So it's a massive marketplace. So a couple of takeaways for me are, first of all, technology. It's a technology to take seriously. It's not the future, it's now. Think of the investment that this could mean for your training company. It can be used on its own, but primarily to your point, Sophie, as part of a learning journey and it can increase accessibility. Uh, we can actually provide or, or access a greater market by um, selling our training to people outside of the classroom. And also you work with partners. That's the key thing for me as well. You work with partners. You've done so recently in terms of developing a storytelling course. So people listening today, if you'd like to get in touch with Sophie, you have an idea for a course, Sophie and her team could work with you to develop a program that's customized to your uh, needs. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Right. So where do you want people to go? Uh, having excited them now about the potential of VR, where do you want people to go to? Um, so they can go to the virtual speech website. So virtualspeech.com, or you can reach out to me directly on, on LinkedIn if you like to as well. Okay, Sophie, thank you very much for being my guest today on the show. Thank you very much, Mark. What a wonderful episode. Thank you, Sophie, for being my guest today on the show. And for you out there, thank you for your feedback. Thank you for giving me the ideas of having people like Carl Kopp, uh, an expert on VR and augmented reality learning recently, and of course, having to Sophie Thompson today on the show. And I'd love to hear from you. If you've got ideas for the kinds of content you'd love on the podcast, please drop me a line. My email is mark at trainingbusiness.com. Plenty of more episodes like this coming out every Thursday without fail. If you've got suggestions, drop me a line. If you could recommend someone to be on the show, then again, drop me a line, mark at trainingbusiness.com. Please subscribe because it costs you absolutely nothing takes a couple of moments and helps me to focus on the kinds of content that you will find valuable wherever you are on that journey at the beginning of your training business, running a training business, or thinking of launching your career, helping people through your programs and workshops and selling them, of course. And this is really what the show is all about. It's about helping you to sell, develop programs and sell them and, and of course, respond to the market needs for what it is that you do. So until next Thursday, keep going, keep selling, keep training. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.